today's read, Asada, an autobiography written by Asada Shakur, Chapter 9. I was taken to Roosevelt Hospital in Metuchen, New Jersey, and shackled to the bed by my foot. Dr. Garrett had established that I was one month pregnant. When he visited me, he demanded that the shackles be removed at once based on the elementary principle that proper treatment, both mental and physical of a woman threatening miscarriage, would not seem to include being chained to a bedpost. My mental stability was also threatened by the -the round-the-clock guards who sat outside my hospital room with shotguns trained at my head. After 10 days, I was discharged from the hospital over the objections of my doctor brought to the Middlesex County Jail for Men and kept in solitary confinement from February 1974 until May 1974. At first, they wouldn't even give me milk since pork was served as a staple meat almost daily, I began to slowly starve. In county jails, it goes like this. One sheet, one horse blanket, A metal cup, your cell is raided if you have luxuries like salt. They did everything they could to thwart the care Dr. Garrett was trying to give me. They hired their own doctor and insisted that whenever my doctor saw me, their man had to be present. This meant a severe limitation on the number of visits Dr. Garrett could arrange because their doctor happened often not to make it out to the prison on the days examinations had been agreed to and scheduled. My lawyers had initiated a lawsuit against the state of New Jersey in federal court charging medical maltreatment and dietary abuse. Before the date the hearing was scheduled, I was extradited to the state of New York, which made the federal court action moot. When I arrived at Rikers Island again, I was anemic and malnourished, according to my entrance physical. New Jersey had been giving me iron pills, but I was anemic up to the last blood test before giving birth. The pregnancy or a special diet at Rikers, in addition to the regular food, was powdered milk, juice, and a hard-boiled egg daily. This was my diet until I gave birth, and things seemed to go normally. Meanwhile, the lawyers obtained another court order from the New York court permitting Dr. Garrett to continue treating me. When he first came to Rikers, I was in the infirmary. They told him the court order was no good and that he couldn't see me. I was left in a room for three days with a woman who turned out later to have active tuberculosis. It was May, and they had turned the heat off. It got cold again, and women were having seizures, methadone withdrawal, and one sister who they said had pneumonia all piled blankets on their beds. The sister got worse and worse. Finally, they brought her to Elmhurst Hospital, where they discovered she did have tuberculosis. I found this out later when she was returned to Rikers 
kept in isolation and the doctors wore masks and gloves when they visited her. I also had monolia, a vaginal discharge which worsened because the Montefiore Hospital doctors assigned in Rikers to Rikers could not agree about how it should be treated. They refused to treat the condition at all until my culture was returned from Elmhurst Hospital. By the time they managed to get the culture back, the whole inside of my thigh was chapped raw from the discharge and I could barely walk. Montefiore Hospital and the Health and Hospital Corporation went to court to prevent Dr. Garrett from delivering my baby. Their position was that since I was a prisoner, it was not necessary for me to have the doctor of my choice. They also said he was disruptive because when he did manage to see me, he often wrote in my chart, which they found very disturbing. The court upheld them. I was only a prisoner. I went into labor the morning of September 10th, 1974 at 4 a.m. on 2 Main at Rikers where I had been kept in the psycho ward. I got out of bed, took a shower, braided my hair, and packed. My labor was mild, a pinch every half hour, which rapidly became a pinch every 15 minutes. At 11 a.m., I was sure I was on my way, but I had no doctor to confirm it, and I refused to go to the infirmary. Around noon, I asked to call Dr. Garrett, and they somehow got hold of him. He was at Elmhurst Hospital trying to persuade them to let him deliver my baby. At about 3 p.m., he arrived at Rikers, and I went up to the infirmary to meet him. He told me that I was effaced and definitely in labor. I would not allow the other doctors there to examine me. I was taken to Elmhurst Hospital in a motorcade. It looked to me like a million police cars buzzing around the vehicle in which I, a woman in labor, was riding. And they all followed into Elmhurst Hospital and up to the delivery room. They surrounded the hospital. There was a demonstration outside of Elmhurst Hospital in support of my right to choose the doctor who would deliver my baby. And Evelyn and Dr. Garrett held a press conference at the hospital to explain the situation. There were actually two police women inside the labor room and several outside. I was having contractions every five minutes. Finally, I let one of their doctors a resident examined me to see how the labor was progressing, which turned out to be a terrible mistake. When he finished, I was bleeding. After that, there was no way I would let any of them touch me again. I ordered them to bring me a stethoscope to see if the baby's heart was beating normally and a few other instruments I would need because I said, I am delivering the baby myself. It was a standoff for a couple of hours. Then a nurse told me to walk around to ease the pain and encourage labor. I got up, then pretended to fall out, knowing how afraid they were of lawsuits. 
and the doctors rushed over to pick me off the floor. I knew they were worried. I stated again, I am delivering the baby myself. I checked the baby's heart with a stethoscope. It was beating normally. That, or the press conference, or the demonstration outside of the building, seemed to do it. They told me that if I signed a release statement absolving them of all responsibility, they would let Dr. Garrett deliver my baby. I signed, making certain that they had no control over Dr. Garrett or over anything having to do with my labor. And that was that. He took over. He examined me, listened to the baby's heart, and at some point broke my water. He explained carefully everything that would happen and answered all my questions. He gave me a local anesthetic in the cervix. I didn't want Demerol or saddle block, but the paracervical block seemed okay. At this point, I was very tired. After that, I was still in labor but felt little pain. I went to sleep for a while. I woke up about 3.30 a.m. and I could feel the baby lowering and I thought I could feel the baby's head. I called the nurse. She said, without looking, that I wasn't ready yet. When I insisted, she looked and went running for Dr. Garrett. They wheeled me into delivery. He gave me a local anesthetic and did the episiotomy. I pushed three times and she was here. At 4 a.m., Kakuya Amala Olukbala Shakur was born. I said, check that baby out, just to ensure her subsequent safety. The birth itself was peaceful and beautiful, out of sight. It's very important for a woman to go through the birth experience with people she trusts. Later that day, September 11th, they still hadn't brought me the baby. Dr. Garrett had gone home to sleep and when he returned at 6 p.m. that day, I still hadn't seen the baby. He reminded them that I was supposed to breastfeed her. They told him he hadn't written a prescription for breastfeeding. Finally, they brought me the baby and I breastfed her every four hours. Another incredibly beautiful experience. The nurses from the nursery were very friendly and kind and kept me informed about the baby's condition. But the staff and D11, the psycho ward where I was kept in a tiny guarded room was something else again. They allowed me only one shower a day. No toothbrush or toothpaste, only mouthwash. They don't furnish it. A friend can't bring it and the prison won't allow it. I had to beg them for a bra while I was nursing. The prison refused to let me bring one. Many strange doctors tried to examine me to hasten my discharge and get rid of me. I came close to physically brawling with a couple of them because I refused their examinations. 
Finally, they discharged me anyway, without the consent of my doctor. The Commissioner of Corrections, Benjamin Malcolm, had signed a paper taking all responsibility for my discharge. They put me in an ambulance, chained me to a stretcher, and brought me back to the Women's House of Detention at Rikers Island. They took me straight to the infirmary and said, you will have to stay here and be examined. I was really depressed, having been separated so abruptly from my baby. I said, I don't want to be here. I won't be examined here. Send me to PSA, Punitive Segregation Area, Solitary Confinement, anywhere. I don't care. I just have to be somewhere by myself. Just leave me alone. And that's not quite what they did. When I refused examination, I walked out of the infirmary and they called the Goon Squad, several large female officers. They all jumped on me and started beating me. They had me on the floor. Eventually, my arms and legs were chained. They dragged me by the chains to PSA and stopped only when a nurse asked them to please stop. So they put me on a mattress and dragged the mattress. They took me to the observation room and left me, hands and feet cuffed. I had no sanitary napkins, no means to wash myself. The cuffs cut into my skin. The scars are still visible and my wrists were bleeding. Later, I found out that I had received an infraction for slapping an officer in the face while they were beating me. I still refused their medical examination. They finally brought me napkins. I was left on a mattress, on the floor, no bed and no shower. I was there for two weeks. I continued to refuse all their medical attention, insisting that Dr. Garrett examine me. I refused to eat, so eventually my breasts, which were full of milk, stopped hurting. They offered doctors of all kinds and drugs, mainly tranquilizers. They sent the psychiatrist, who had the nerve to ask me if I was depressed. The disciplinary board met in front of my cell and gave me an additional sentence of 14 days in PSA. All other inmates were cleared out of PSA. During this time, I was still refusing most food. I was so weak, I fainted a couple of times. At that time, it was also Ramadan, when it is forbidden to eat until sundown for the whole two weeks I just ate once a day when the food was edible and for the first few days I ate nothing at all. After two weeks they said if you agree to be vaginally searched you can go to your floor. I did and went to my floor. The next day the captain came down to my cell 
and informed me that they had decided to lock me up again for refusing a complete physical from the medical staff assigned to Rikers from Montefiore Hospital. What had happened was that when I was returned to my floor, they told me that Dr. Garrett had been permitted to examine me and that he was at Rikers Island, that my lawyer had gone to court and the court had ruled that I could be examined by Dr. Garrett. So I waited. A white doctor came in and said in order for him, in order for me to see my doctor, I must see him and be examined by him first. I refused. Then they brought in a black doctor who greeted me with, hey, soul sister. He was really sneaky. I refused him too. So Dr. Garrett was forced to leave and I was put back in PSA. They threatened me with administrative segregation, so I sat on the floor and refused to move when my sentence in PSA was up. They gave me an infraction and a verbal reprimand and said the vaginal search would be sufficient. Then, the next day, they locked me up again. This time, I was locked in my cell for a month. I continued to refuse most food. They let me out to shower whenever they felt like it. I began a hunger strike at one point, and after a few days in the tiny cell, I was sick. I wondered how long I would have to hold out. Evelyn had filed a writ of habeas corpus before the Brooklyn Federal Court against Commissioner Malcolm and Essie Murph, superintendent of the Women's House of Detention in Rikers, to force them to release me from punitive segregation. I was to appear in court for the hearing, but I didn't know the date. Then a deputy told me, your court date's been postponed and your lawyer sends her advice. See a doctor. It was a lie, but I believed it. I was examined by the prison doctors under what I thought was Evelyn's advice. So I was no longer locked, just in jail and separated from my child. Leftovers. What is left? After the bars and the gates and the degradation, what is left? After the lock-ins and the lock-outs and the lock-ups, what is left? I mean, after the chains that get entangled in the gray of one's matter after the bars that get stuck in the hearts of men and women what is left after the tears and disappointments after the lonely isolation after the cut wrist and the heavy noose what is left I mean like after the commissary kisses and the get your shit off blues, after the hustler 
has been hustled, what is left? After the murder burgers and the goon squads and the tear gas, after the bulls and the bullpens and the bullshit, what is left? Like, after you know that God can't be trusted, after you know that the shrink is a pusher, that the word is a whip and the badge is a bullet, what is left? After you know that the dead are still walking and you realize that silence is talking, that outside and inside are just an illusion, what is left? I mean, like, where is the sun? Where are her arms and where are her kisses? There are lip prints on my pillow. I am searching. What is left? I mean, like, nothing is standstill and nothing is abstract. The wings of a butterfly can't take flight. The foot on my neck is part of a body. The song that I sing is part of an echo. What is left? I mean, like, love is specific. Is my mind a machine gun? Is my heart a hacksaw? Can I make freedom real? Yeah, what is left? I am at the top and bottom of a lower archy. I am an earth lover from way back. I am in love with losers and laughter. I am in love with freedom and my children. Love is my sword and truth is my compass. What is left?